0: Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Principle of Moments podcast for 2022 brought to you in association with Hanover Fox Executive Search. Now, just a reminder, if you are new to this podcast, you can catch up with all of the previous editions by the website at www.hanoverfox.com or via any of the main streaming providers. Now, coming up in this edition, I'm joined by Hannover Fonk's director and former England rugby captain, Phil de Glanville, as we look at the process of managing change, specifically within the professional sports team structure. And, of course, we will be looking ahead to the Six Nations Championship, where France start as the favourites this year to end that 11-year wait for a championship. And, of course, we will run the rule over a very youthful New England So one of the most uh, difficult process for any uh, company or team to to manage is the process of change, taking an an entity that has been or is successful and introducing new structures uh, to actually keep them successful. Uh, Management and managers can significantly enhance their reputation if it's done successfully, but it is the most difficult thing to do
1: it is um evolving a team um evolution rather than revolution um is the key to it and and yeah you know, that 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 keeping a team that's on top of its game um focused on the purpose um but refreshed and and with new ideas and and new skills coming in on on a kind of you know, drip drip basis rather than wholesale change i think I think that's what you're you're after that's the ideal so so the concept of evolving a team you know rather than being forced into wholesale changes which um you know do do take kind of you know three steps backwards to go you know four forward, forwards again um so trying to get that balance right is 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 the real trick
0: there are a myriad of studies from every decade of the last 100 years around this subject Uh, from business scholars to those who developed and managed successful teams. Uh, Finding areas that all agree on is, is never easy, but I think the one universal agreement that existed was pretty much item one on any agenda, established clear expectations of what is expected from day one
1: yeah I I, I I think you know the reality is in in a team depending on how big the team is you're going to have a wide variety of different experience levels um different contributions from a talent perspective and and probably one of the most important aspects that keeps on you know falling underneath those two which which is attitude um, so actually a, a lot of the time you know people are recruiting for you know, experience and talent um, and forgetting attitude um, and that kind of whole ethos that an individual brings to a team um, so really from from from, from my experience it's, it's about you know looking at all three of those when when you're recruiting but you're going to have everyone in a slightly different mix of those three within your team um, so whatever your your focus whatever your purpose you know everyone is in that team is going to be coming at that purpose in a slightly different way and from a slightly different perspective and that that is the that is the challenge the the, the whole kind of differentiated management of, of all those individuals to get the best out of them because they all need managing in a different way.
0: Uh, it, it does sound obvious that, that everybody has to buy in and connect to this objective but the one story that uh, I did like, which has been retold, I think, many times down the years. And I came across it; I'd never seen it myself. Uh, was when uh, JFK went to to visit NASA back in in 1961, and he he stopped and he asked a janitor what he was actually doing, and his reply was, "I'm helping put a man on the moon."
1: Fantastic story, um, and and that is what you want. You know, you you want everyone focused on that end objective. Um, and and if you can achieve that and and get that buy-in, you know, from top to bottom, left to right, you know, whatever the dimensions of the team are, um, then, then then that's your that's your nirvana, that's your end game, um, and and to achieve that is is amazing.
0: There's always somewhere a degree of resistance. Um, people find it difficult to to let go of the old norms. I mean, how many times down the years have you heard quotes from a variety of sources such as, uh, you don't understand the culture of the club or the team, you know, we're a winning team, we're champions, you don't change a winning team, Uh, change needs to be done slowly, evolution not revolution, it's too difficult to change, we haven't got the money, Uh, and I think this one was uh, kept especially for journalists and pundits, you've never played the game before. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> of course it is um I, I i i mean yeah that 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 is the reality and and particularly if you if you as a leader are coming into a team where you've got some some strong performers who've been you know in that organization or in that team for a while um and and that company that then, then yes in, that that is inevitable um and i suppose that's the whole that's the whole change process and that you 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 actually have to grab those people who might be resistant um in the first place and 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 really convince them of the benefits of what you're trying to do and and if you can do that you know they will actually become your greatest advocates in the team if you're turning someone who is is resistant to what you're trying to do and 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 they can get their buy-in and understand and and understand the why of of what you're trying to do then they do often become your biggest advocate. So, so, you know, don't, don't, you just ignore those people, you know, try, try and use them to your, to your advantage to, to bring others with them.
0: You've been involved, of course, with elite sports teams, coaches and managers. They can use different means to develop the, the culture of the team, because this is also very important. I mean, they, the coach can create it based on his own leadership style or it could be left to develop from within the team itself which would perhaps um, give the players and those involved uh, a greater feeling of uh, belonging because they actually developed it themselves and they would feel more ownership what would be what would be your choice
1: I, I think the key word there is ownership, Tim. Um, you know, if people are not driving this themselves and it's forced on them from above or, or, or you know from an external perspective, it's not embedded, it, it's not in their everyday behaviors, it it's not something that they think and do all the time. It has to come from them. I think I think the coach or the leader, um, you know, can set the environment uh clearly can can talk about the purpose and the focus and what they're trying to achieve but the way that team operates the culture the ethos um the interconnectedness between them all ha- has to come from the team itself um and you you'd actually seen Eddie Jones talking about that a, a, a lot in the press at the moment um because you know Owen Farrell is is out and and he was a key mm-hmm. leader and, and he's looking at um, that leadership density, as he calls it, within within the team and the rest of the squad. It's, it's it it has to come from the players. It has to come from the team. Um, it can't it can't just be driven by the, the the leader because it's just not sustainable.
0: How important is it for the the leader, the coach, the manager to actually respect the team as individuals? I mean, is that even possible, uh, particularly in a, in a sports environment?
1: I, I think it's essential, um, essential to understand, you know, the nuances of, of, of each of those individuals. Um, again, if you, you, you look at the England team, a, a character like Joe Marla and, and his background, how you handle him is chalk and cheese to someone like Maro Itoji. I, I, I would say there's such different characters that you can't have a one size fits all management approach to them. It, it has to be individualized um and and that is a big challenge in a big corporate where you've got literally thousands of employees, so you're relying on the managers within that structure to to be able to cascade that and and to manage those individuals on a on an individual basis. i think you know everyone you know w- the relationship with your 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 line manager is probably the most important facet in terms of happiness at work. I think, as someone said the, the other day, it's about seventy five percent of your of your happiness at work and, and your kind of commitment to to what you're doing at work. So that that individual, that manager has to has to be really, really good at knowing you as an individual, understanding how to motivate you, and and then yeah, managing you on, on that basis.
0: Uh, I was reading a book recently on the making of a leader uh, whose objective was to highlight what elite sport could actually teach uh, the world of business about leadership, management and performance. And there were a lot of coaches uh, speaking in there on interviews, etc. several coaches from the USA, Bill Walsh of the San Francisco 49ers uh, was asked about what they could or what business could learn and what um what label he most admired that was attached to him and he simply said being a teacher uh john wooden who was something of a coaching legend at ucla the, his nickname i think was the uh, the wizard of Westwood. he won 10 national championships in 12 years and, and he added as so well he said effective leaders are first and foremost very good teachers and i think the you know the doyen of uh, of coaching and quotes from coaching vince lombardi simply said look they call it coaching but it's teaching you simply show them the reason why so I, teaching I, I, is the key thing
1: it, it is and there is there is no surprise that some of the best rugby coaches have been teachers in in their earlier career you know eddie jones was a teacher brian ashton was was a teacher and and so so actually, you're right it, it it' it is exactly the same. it It is about showing the way and 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 then the players, the pupils, you know, getting there getting to their end goal themselves. you know that that is that is exactly what it's about. And also understanding because the best teachers you know in a classroom will know that everyone moves at a slightly different speed and and some people just get it straight away and are on to the next thing. And so you you, you, you want to push them on to, to, to further and, and harder things. And others struggle with that particular topic. And, and that's where you need to spend time with them. Try a different way to show them. If you've tried one particular way, it hasn't worked for, for that particular group, try a different way. And then you've got the whole differences anyway, you know, between the way people learn, you know, some visual learners, um, you know, respond very well to images. You know, others are much more in, into the detail and, and like to see the numbers on the page. So, so everyone learns in a in a different way, in a different style. So you, you've just got to keep trying those different ways to coach, those different ways to teach until, until everyone gets it and is able to move forward.
0: There was a management study at a place called Dartmouth, one of the Ivy League colleges in the States, Uh, professor of investment 10 years studying the practices of world-class leaders and teams and again a lot of the results centered on this word uh, teaching people don't buy successful teams and organizations They, they the results of this report simply said listen they they identify talent they train it and they develop a future generation of leaders or great players
1: yeah yeah I, I i mean you know it's not necessarily something that comes naturally to people and 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 quite often you know, you, you see people who, who are promoted into into those senior roles because they've been very good technically at a particular job that they've done you know at that stage of their career and and they don't necessarily get all the training and the experience that they need to to be an effective teacher stroke coach stroke stroke leader stroke manager um and and they struggle so so you know that that is a mistake made you know week in week out in 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 organizations where people are are, are promoted with with, a, with little of the training that they need uh, to help them with that with that different approach that you need as a as a senior manager
0: one other guy that actually is worthy of a mention here, just to underline everything that we've just spoken about, Bill Walsh, uh, NFL coach. Back in 2016, 20 of the 32 head coaches ran NFL, all worked under him or with somebody he worked closely with. Now there is a very good teacher.
1: That that is a fantastic statistic. Yeah, I mean that is a legacy he can be proud of. Um, yeah, I mean if you're If you're churning out, you know, leaders, you know, uh, who are kind of, you know, learning their rope, learning their trade underneath you and then stepping into that kind of environment. Yeah, that's fantastic for him. I hadn't heard that. That's brilliant.
0: (laughs) If we actually apply some of what we've been talking about to Eddie Jones and and the project New England, uh, the objective to bring immediate success and results? Or are we in this planning period where the ultimate goal is to win the World Cup? Because presumably, I mean, unless you're very, very lucky, you, you know, blending the two or getting the two together is going to be very difficult.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's the challenge for, for every international team um, is, is this focus on the World Cup, which is every four years, or 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 you know what what are we doing this year in on on the build up to that, and 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 that is that is always the di- the, the difficult balance to find. Um, you don't you certainly don't want to be peaking for for the years in between the World Cup. You know you want to be getting as close as you can uh, to to those World Cup cycles to getting it right. Um, but it does mean that in between you know there may there may be some years when when you're not performing in terms of results uh, as well as you would normally because you are blooding new players you are bringing your know, new ways of playing into the squad which takes a bit of time to settle down and, and to embed and and I think that's you know that's what's happening you know, right now with with the England team you know, the New England has got a significant number of, of new players in it. In, in, in late 2021 and, and, and obviously as we go into the six nations now and, and there's still a, you know, another cohort of i think it's six you know uncapped players in this squad uh you know it might be more by the time we get to the to the Scotland match because they're falling like flies at the moment yeah. <laughs> um, so so it, it you know that, 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 that there has been a regeneration of the team in in, in the last um, in the last 12 months there's, there's also been a regeneration of the coaching team um so I think when he when he analyzed you know why things hadn't gone so well in 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 last year's Six Nations he knew he had to make some changes with with both the playing squad and the coaching squad.
0: Has the World Cup which has grown significantly in terms of an event over the last 20 odd years has it overtaken the the Six Nations to the point where okay if you win the Six Nations then great but if we don't well so be it because you know uh, we're we really do want the World Cup. I mean, England won three of the last ten Six Nations. Whereas, if you look at the turn of the millennium, England won three of the first four.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, that wasn't for lack of trying. I, you know, let me, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, <laughs> and 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 it's, um, you know, I, 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 it's trying to get the balance right because mm. you know, as we go into this Six Nations now, I, I, I'm probably the most excited I've been in a long time about Six Nations. Partly because there are so many teams that could win it, um, and and you know when you France, you've been a little bit of the kind of sleeping giant until the last year or two. Um, you know they've been you know, bottom three, you know five out of the last seven years until until the last two really they started to come to the fore. They they are hot favourites for it, and 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 when you look at Ireland and Wales consistency, you know. I, again, I was just looking back at the stats. I mean, Ireland have been incredibly consistent. They've been in the top three, you know, every year for the last seven years, and and won it twice. So that 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 is an amazing stat. And and when you've got them and and, and Wales, who likewise kind of go from you know bottom one year or nearly bottom one year to winning it the next, um, and are very capable of. You know, they're very focused on the Six Nations. They continually, kind of overperform in the Six Nations compared to, you know, what their, their regions have done in Europe and, uh, and to what they've done in the Autumn International. So you've got any one, I would say, of those four teams could win it. And, and when you add to that Scotland, who, who could beat anyone on their day, you know, they beat England and France away last year, which was incredible achievement. They just don't have necessarily the depth to be able to to win the competition by performing consistently over the whole of, of the five games. Um, but they can beat anyone on their day. So I, I'm, really, I'm really excited about it. I, I'm really looking forward to this. And it, it's got such a tradition, um, but, but kind of, you know, obviously moved into into the modern era. Um, and and it's, it's got all the, the history of our, our Six Nations behind it. Um, the World Cup is still the peak, you know, but it's once every four years, um, whereas the Six Nations is, is every February and March which is brilliant.
0: The French haven't won it since 2010. I mean, it, it's a spectacular decline for them on the international front in this competition when you consider as well how at the turn of the millennium, how strong they were. I think mean, they won four of six, didn't they, from 2002 to 2007. I mean, they have a strong uh, club culture over there. Why has it not happened for them over recent years or why has it taken so long for them to get back to where they were
1: well well well, i think it you know there's always this assumption that england and france should be the best because they they've got the best the biggest number of players um Mm. which is true they've got the biggest number of 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 players in 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 both countries uh, you know playing playing at club level but the transition from club to international is a huge one and and the international environment, you're bringing players together from, <coughs> excuse me, you're bringing players together from multiple teams, getting them all blended, getting them all focused on, you know, one way of playing. Um, obviously, you've got lots of flexibility in that, in, in those ways of playing, but one kind of leading way of playing is 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 quite a challenge. And I think that's what the French have struggled to do. They've struggled to get that cohesion. They've struggled to get a group of players coming from a whole load of different clubs focused on 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 one way of playing and and so they've underperformed you know England have had you know the same issues occasionally and you know whilst they've they've done very well in terms of you know be, being kind of top 2 and and winning it three out of the last five they they also have when it goes wrong for them it's gone it's gone badly wrong you know i've had two fifths in there uh in the last four years so they you know, they're not at the same level of consistency as as the irish are um who who've always been top 3 so it it's 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 a challenge to get that 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 focus that collectiveness the team coming together um and 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 that kind of blend and that bond between all those those teammates you you also had a big saracens input to to the way england played um, that that has now broken up a bit, um, so you've 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 probably got a, a greater number of players from a from a from a different number of of, of clubs coming into it. Um, so so all of these factors kind of go. You know, it's not it's not just a question of just you know rolling it all out and and the team's gonna <laughs> perform well because your clubs are. It, it's it's a completely different environment, a different level of rugby. Um, a, a complicated thing to to get all of those players focused and and bonded together as one
0: Eddie Jones into his 7th year now as England coach a long time in a, f- a few months he's going to pass the length of time to Clive Woodward Wood was there in charge from uh, November 97 to September 2004 he has a higher win percentage than any coach going back in recent times to Don Whites Timor starting the measurements from there back in, in 69, 78.3% win ratio, uh, which is ahead of Sir Clive's because obviously Sir Clive had the World Cup win. It is a remarkably consistent set of results over a period of time.
1: It, it's fantastic. Um, and and obviously he's had a couple of you know tricky years, uh, as anyone I would guess you know, would do over over that period of time. But he, he has done incredibly well. Um And and you know it it comes down to you know that that ability to to get all those players, as I said, from disparate clubs, focused on on the one way, the England way, um, which which is done you know incredibly well. I mean, the England way is changing; it's evolving. I I I would be fair to say, kind of two years ago, you know, in the in the middle of COVID, uh, it it was a little dull um, with a kind of overemphasis on the kicking but i think his his coaches have um martin gleeson has brought a, a slightly different philosophy in terms of attack to him um the way the game is being played internationally is changing um yeah there is definitely more running than kicking and and so he's responding to that and and i think you saw that in in the autumn internationals the the, the way england played you know against against south africa and australia and tonga was 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 outstanding so you know, he's in a great position, but you know the, the Six Nations is a is a tough competition to win. Um, you know it, how they've got two home games and three away, so so that in itself is a challenge. And and each year, you know, that, that you you have to look at the balance of that. If you've got three home games, it makes a big difference to your ability to win than than if you've got three away games. So you you've got to look at at each year, you know, in its own right. Uh, and, and how many away games you've got as opposed to...
0: For these championships, we know Owen Farrell is out. Now, he has played every Six Nations game since Eddie Jones' arrival. How much of a loss is that going to be to Eddie Jones to have somebody that is that trusted out there on the field? Well, I mean,
1: he's, he is going to be a, a, a very significant loss. I mean, there's no doubt about that because, um, you know, when you look at the amount of points he scored... Um, uh, you know he is a, he is the ultimate competitor out out there on, on, on the pitch and and his leadership is is has been very important to to England and and it comes back to, to to the point about you know developing that density of leadership amongst the rest of the squad further they've been they've been doing that and working on that for, for some time um, and the likes of Tom Curry coming through um, obviously Maro Itoje. Uh, kind of in those positions, but Luke cowan Dickey also at at, at hooker. Uh, so so you know it, it's it's going to put more emphasis on on them. Uh, the The other aspect is that you know if he what if he were to be picked at twelve, you know he he can be the eyes and and ears for for Marcus Smith at at ten, and be that um, kind of game organizer if you like, and allow Marcus to play a little bit more instinctively so so whoever then is picked at 12 that you know that's a really important decision to make um because you know he he will need to be communicating with Marcus and seeing where the space is and helping him with those decisions so which which obviously you know owen was was very good at or is very good at um so it it is a big loss um for, from that persp- from a leadership perspective from a playing perspective you know i i I'm not sure it's as much of a loss um yeah you know, the inside centre position is 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 a very you know they haven't really solved it england um or haven't had a player to solve it um for, for 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 some time um and mark atkinson who's a fantastic player from gloucester um you know he's yeah you know, age thirty one he is just you know he's not he he would make the world cup of course but but probably not much beyond that um so he's a a late bloomer in there but i like him as a player i like him as a as an inside centre, loves runs lovely lines and 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 you know, he's capable of letting others run off him. So we'll see what, what who, he, who he picks in the end. You know he might move Henry Slade in there and put Marchant at outside centre. So there's lots of options, and to some extent, it's going to depend on yeah. You know, the first game away to Scotland is a very very tough game. It'll depend on the weather. You know if it's blowing a gale and and pouring rain up there, he'll pick a different team to. Um, to if the weather is a
0: bit kinder. Uh, George Ford was uh, a surprise exclusion for some before he was subsequently uh, recalled after uh, Alan Farrell's injury. He hasn't played since the Ireland loss. Has he got a big point to prove if he gets onto the field?
1: I- I'm sure he has. Um, and uh, he is another fighter. Um, and, and so I think in his... You know, he'll be delighted to be back in, um, albeit at you know at, at, at others' expense from an injury perspective, um, and and he he is still capable of, of 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 playing brilliant rugby. I mean he has been for Leicester all this year, but but Leicester you know ha- do play you know, quite a predominant kicking game, and and I think that's been part of the issue. Back to what I said, you know Eddie has decided that the team's going to evolve and move on from that a little. Um, with a little bit more balance to the running, and 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 Marcus does play very flat, which is which is very good for the, for the backs. You go over the gain line quickly.
0: Um,
1: so so you know whether he he would go back to to George. Again, I think that that might depend on on the weather.
0: As this is a new England project, we just look at a a couple of the new players. We said up to six potential debutants at any stage throughout these championships. Uh, Freddie Stewart at 21, a fearsome competitor, six foot five inch, uh, Leicester fullback, has major potential at international level. And Orlando Bailey, of course, you will know over at Bartley, fly Flyhalf is just twenty, the economics student with a, a liking for fine art. Uh, do you expect to see either of those two play any role? And if they do, what are your views on their potential to succeed?
1: I, I mean, Freddie's uh, had a fantastic um, you know, step into international rugby. He performed so well in in in, in the autumn internationals. Um, uh, and and I know that you know he'll be focusing on you know how he gets into the game when the ball isn't kicked to him because he's so good under the high ball and so strong in that in that position and a real rock at the back, which is which is absolutely what you need. So f- for him, I think it's more about in the open spaces when the when when the you know the ball is moving, multi phases. Yeah, how he contributes more in in those scenarios, and and I am sure he's he's going to be working on that. He he's a tremendous player. Um, Orlando is a different kettle of fish, I think. Um, you know, I, I think Eddie's, Eddie's good at kind of bringing players in just to have a look at them and and to give them a taste of of the international environment. You know, he's done that consistently. Brought brought players in for a bit and. And Had a, given them a taste of it, and just, just, you know, I mean, he talked about apprenticeships, didn't he? You know, in his earlier earlier coaching career with England. Um, and so, so I very much see Orlando as that. Um, he's, he's got a huge amount of talent, as I say, kn- know him pretty well <laughs> <laughs> at Bath. Um, and you know, good, good friend of uh, of, of Tom as well. So he's um he's a gr- he's a great, great, great lad with a huge potential and 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 yeah, we'll just have to yeah, you know, he's probably been thrown in to fly half this year at Bath much quicker than he would have expected. Um, which is yeah, probably the case for, for all the Bath Academy players who've been thrown in quicker than expected. They're they're a very young uh back line in particular, um and, and back row. So I think all of those players would would ideally have been dripped in, you know, a few games at a time, um, alongside more experienced players, and 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 they they've all been thrown in the deep end together. So that's probably a big reason why they're struggling so much. Um, but but Orlando is um, yeah huge potential. I, I don't see him. You know, I mean, who knows? You, who can predict Eddie? Um, but but I don't see him taking a big part
0: <laughs> i mean if you're looking to spot new talent then this could be uh this could be a tremendously exciting year but i want to move on just quickly before we conclude to a couple of um uh last points the new law are on the scrum uh to help hookers who have developed this uh degenerative neck injury over over recent years um, yep. so the new rule uh, to keep one foot forward during the buying process uh, with a free kick, which is going to be awarded if, if they don't. Uh, introducing something on the eve of such a major event might not seem the right time to do it.
1: <laughs> it, 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 it is a strange time to do it. Um, uh, and I was desperately trying to see if it's actually going to apply to the Six Nations, which I, which I think it, it is. Um, on a trial basis, it is a strange time to do it because it doesn't give the players much time to adapt to that and and in in a a nutshell it's it's just about uh, as the players are coming together uh, um, making sure that they're not in this position where where all the weight of the scrums is is coming through any kind of contact between the hooker and and the opposing hooker Um, is to keep them apart until they actually do properly go down into the scrum, I mean that's the reason for it um so it it's entirely and, and the players' association have been pushing for this for some time, um, it's entirely the right thing to do. Um, as you say, uh, you know, strange to just uh, just to roll it straight out into into the six nations. But um I, I, I think from a player welfare point of view, they probably should have done this, you know, last year, um, not this year. So every day that
0: goes past. Can you imagine? You, you you can almost see what's going to happen here, can't you? The, the entire Grand Slam <laughs> will end up coming off of a free kick <laughs> awarded <laughs> <Yeah>. who, <laughs> For this. Knows? And lastly, just getting... The um, getting the game's future sorted, appealing to a newer audience, a wider audience, male and female, younger in particular. Uh, TikTok have come in with um, a deal or a part of a sponsorship deal, beginning with the the women's rugby team, the under 20s, and will be uh, encompassing the men's team as well. How important is this aspect? of the promotion of the game to get it into this new audience. I, I
1: mean, I think that's a great, it's great for the Six Nations, the women's Six Nations that um, that they've come on board as title sponsor of that women's Six Nations. It's the, a, a, it recognises the fact that <clears throat> the women's Six Nations is, you know, now, now and will continue to increase in terms of its attractiveness to sponsors. You know, this is the first time they've had a title sponsor, which is brilliant, and, and you know, for, <laughs> Great news that, that the Six Nations have managed managed to do that, and about time. So, yeah, that women's rugby is growing exponentially. Um, that the quality of the uh, Alliance Premiership 15s is superb and getting better and better. Um, and and so so it's you know it, 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 you we know, have the ambition of the RFU is to fill Twickenham for for a women's game. Um, and and if you know if the if the World Cup in 25 does come to the to the UK. You know th- that would be superb to see a full twickenham for a um an, an england women's um, world cup game so that that's the ambition um and and so that, that the women's side is growing you know exponentially it's uh, it's so good and TikTok, yeah in terms of you know the the digital presence and and the way youngsters are communicating um through their social media platforms so important
0: and how we consume is changing isn't it how we consume and uh, people consume sport is changing there is an expectation now if I pick up my phone and just open up TikTok and put in um, the six nations that I'm going to get immediate video updates and little uh, and interview clips and sound bites of of everything it is vital that they communicate through these means otherwise they lose a potential audience
1: it it is and 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 yeah those kind of bite sized chunks you know and, and also getting to know the characters um you know bringing the bringing the players alive and and you know to to, to their audiences and, and f- to actually really get to know the individuals i think is a is a big factor to that i still think the live match experience is is a bit different <clears throat> you know yeah, that, yeah. that still is about you know around a, a tv with your mates um and you know whether you're 18 or 80 um that that's still a factor there you, you get together with your friends and you're around a, t- a tv or a big screen somewhere in a pub um that that's still a different experience but but for everything else the bite-sized chunks the little clips the analysis getting to know the players then those social media platforms are brilliant for that
0: And lastly, who is going to win the Six Nations this year?
1: You can't put me on the spot. You actually did think
0: I would. You thought thought I'd forgotten that. that. I'm going to. Not who would you like?
1: (laughs) I I mean, I I genuinely think this is the most open Six Nations going into what we've ever had, um, ever. So I, I, I it's it's going to come down to a bounce of a ball um one way or the other a, pe- a you know a penalty in the last minute uh, um probably in overtime uh bonus points are going to be crucial because the the margins are going to be so tight I can't see anyone winning the grand slam I don't think anyone's going to win every game so it'll come down to points difference probably <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so so I, I I mean who would I, I I I I think Ireland look very strong um and their provinces have played so well in in Europe. Yeah, watching them all um, last weekend, all winning away and home, I, I, they looked very strong. So, uh, and Farrell has got them organised, and Mike Catt in attack. Um, they played they played the best game in the autumn international by far against New Zealand. That was an incredible game of rugby. So, if they play like that for five games, they they will win it. Um, so their biggest will be England at Twickenham uh, and I'm sure England are going to have something to say about that
0: it for this edition of the podcast my thanks to phil de glanville for his considerable insight this month and if you enjoyed this edition don't forget you can listen to all seven previous editions of the podcast via the website at www.hanoverfox.com or by any of the main streaming providers well thanks again for joining us we look forward to your company again on the next edition of of the Principle of Moments podcast. Until then, from me, Tim Cable, bye-bye for now.